0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
3: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on v the sports betting network. Scott Settlingberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VCN, the sports betting network. You can hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. S C O T T S O N A I R. Just tweeted out, uh, you know, a little bit, little factoid, little Major League Baseball factoid. Uh, Dodgers are 19 and seven this year, and all 19 wins have covered the one and a half run line. Yes, the Dodgers are a Major League best, 19 and seven. On the run line this season. What's also very interesting. Is that. Um, the Diamondbacks. Are 18 and 11. On the run line this season. So that is very, very intriguing. That the uh, the uh, Diamondbacks. Has uh, kept covered. In some of these games. As and uh as an under, as an underdog which is very very interesting um the dodgers by the way have not been an underdog at all this season they are 19 and 7 both straight up uh as well, as a favorite 19 and 7 um and against the run, the run line record is 19 and 7 let's get into the nba playoffs uh we have now Two series that are 2-2, and we got the potential for two more series to be 2-2. Do I think that's going to be the case? Probably not for one of them. I think the Celtics do even up this series, and I feel so bad because, and I don't know if they win that game, but Marcus Smart absolutely should have shot three free throws at the end of that game. Absolutely. That was a shooting foul. And as a a ref, you got to know the situation. You got to know. They're trying to shoot a three to tie the game. And you can't tell me that Marcus Smart was not in the act of shooting there. Because he caught the ball. He worked around the, the screen or whatnot. He planted his feet and was about to go up. That's a shooting foul. The officiating in this postseason has really left a lot to to be desired. It seems too often that we are talking about the officials during this NBA playoffs. And I hate when that's the point. I hate when People even bring up Scott Foster's name. Because I shouldn't be caring about who's officiating the game. I should just trust that it's going to be called correctly. But that's not been the case. And look at what happened here in in the Suns game against the Mavericks. First of all, yes, credit Dallas. Great win. Way to even up the series couple things had to go right for them. Chris Paul had to be in foul trouble and get fouled out. The other thing, Dorian Finney-Smith making, what, eight three-pointers? 24 points all from beyond the arc? If he only has 14 points, maybe the Suns win this game. And the way that Chris Paul fouled that, I mean, come on. The ticky-tack calls here, it just, it's usually, if you're going to foul a guy out of a game, it's got to be pretty egregious, right? That wasn't the case here with uh, with that foul calls. You know, there was a rebound in front of him. He puts his hands up to kind of get out of the way. Yeah, I know when we looked at the replay, we saw his hand kind of slap in, but I was not a fan of the way that uh, he got handed his sixth f- uh, foul to um be, you know uh exit the game. So, now I take a look at what is coming up here in the playoffs. Celtics as I mentioned, I think have a great chance to even up this series with the Bucks. Um and the Warriors against the Grizzlies is really fascinating. The spread moves to minus 10 compared to what it was in game 3, which is minus 7. So that would be a three-point adjustment based on the news that John Morant's not going to play. Okay. Is it too much of an adjustment? Is it not enough of an adjustment? I argued that without Joel Embiid, the adjustment that was made in the spread was not enough, and that's why I loved Miami laying the points in both games one and two because I felt that the spread should have adjusted more For John Morant not playing. I mean, excuse me, for Joel Embiid not playing. For John Morant, how much is he worth? It's a difficult thing to to think about because if you just look at the numbers, the Grizzlies are actually better without him, which is crazy to say. Because they're not. You don't just... You're not better without one of the best players in the league. But for whatever reason, during the 25 games that they played without him this season, they won 20 of them. They were 20-5. and And... In those games, they had a better offensive rating and a better defensive rating. So you could make the argument that they were actually better without him this season. Now, of those 20 wins, okay, or of those games, let's see. Uh, they played against Boston April 10th, and they lost, all right, without job. But that's the end of the season, and and no one's really playing in that game anyway. Um, Denver was a playoff team. They lost to them on the 7th. Utah, they lost to them on the 5th. But these are all, you know, end of the season games, whatever. They beat Phoenix on April 1st without John Moran. Now, that's impressive. They also blew out the Warriors without Ja on March twenty eighth. In that game, the Warriors, let's see, had a starting five of Kuminga, Wiggins, Poole, Looney, and Gary Payton. No Steph, no Clay, no Draymond. And the Grizzlies without John Morant win 123 to 95. Uh let's see. Against Milwaukee without John Morant, they the Grizzlies won 127 102. And in that game, the Bucks had Middleton and Giannis and Brook Lopez. Just no holiday. Uh, let's see. They beat the Brooklyn Nets 132 120. And in that game, the Nets had Kyrie and Durant both in the lineup. Let's see other good wins against playoff teams. They beat the Sixers on December thirteenth, one twenty-six to ninety-one. And in that game, Philly did not have Joel Embiid. Starting five of Cork, uh, Cork May's. Maxie, Harris, Steibel, and Drummond. Okay. Uh, so I guess that one doesn't count. And let's see. How about a win against Miami 105-90 back in December without John Morant? And in that game, Miami had Lowry and Butler in the lineup. So I don't think no bam out of bio, though. No bam out of bio. Alright, so a little injury concerns there. But there have been moments this season that they have had good wins against playoff teams without Ja Morant. Three-point adjustment. Is it too much? Is it not enough? Can this team without Ja contend with the Golden State Warriors? Personally, I don't even think with Ja they can. And in that game that they won, Ja Morant had 47 points, okay? He, for the final five minutes of that game, took every, he scored all 15 points that they had, and he took every single shot, except for one shot where he missed a three, Zaire Williams got the rebound and shot his own three. That's the only shot in the final five and change of that game, excuse me, that was taken by somebody other than John Morant. So, yes, the numbers during the regular season look good. And this is a team that can definitely uh, bounce back and definitely, you know, rally around each other. But taking a guy off the floor that dominates the ball that much is going to hurt you here in a playoff game. So I think you got to go with the Warriors here. I just think you got to. That's the way I look at it here. So I think we're going to get three series that are even at two games apiece, and the Warriors taking a 3-1 lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I think it's very interesting when you look at the spreads of these games and look at the spreads of the upcoming games, um, you know, when we change sites. Uh, for instance, Miami, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Sixers in Miami, and Phoenix, a six-point favorite over Dallas. We'll talk to Rob Pizzola from BetStamp coming up next. This is The Look Ahead, here on v the sports betting network.
0: On
3: v
2: the Sports
3: Betting Network. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Sadenberg on v the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter, at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Joining me now, getting to the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs a bit, Rob Pozzola from BetStamp. And the Circles Off podcast joins us here on The Look Ahead. And Rob, we have uh, a bunch of series that are even at two games apiece with the exception of the Colorado Avalanche who uh, handle their business. But what do you make of the competitiveness that we've seen so far in this Stanley Cup playoffs with all of these series tied after four games?
4: Yeah, I don't think it's that surprising uh, that we've seen this competitive nature of the playoffs. A lot of these series were pretty evenly matched, or at least priced that way, going in, Uh, with the exception of obviously Calgary and Dallas and, uh, you know, the Colorado, Nashville being another one, which you mentioned is pretty lopsided, Florida, Washington. But overall, I think a lot of it, to be completely honest, has been what I refer to as game management by referees. Uh, I think it's something that I've picked up on. But if you look at the playoffs so far, the team with the worst. Power play differential through the entire playoffs is the Toronto Maple Leafs right now at a minus four power play differential. So we actually haven't seen some large discrepancies. Refs have been getting involved everywhere, which is why you're seeing a lot of these overs in these first three or four games of every playoff series as well. So, uh, you know, pretty even talent gaps between these teams. Then the refs kind of managing the games as well to make them more competitive. And you get a lot of these games that are um, you get a lot of these series that are, are 2-2 or 2-1 right now.
3: I was going to ask you about the overs. So do you think that there's there's a lot of maybe the, the, pe- the penalties are leading
4: to more power plays and that's leading to more goals? Yeah. So historically, there's actually been more power plays than people actually realize in the playoffs. Um, scoring is typically down and you typically see lower totals, but we're seeing way more penalties being called this year in the playoffs. We've seen a lot of four on fours as well. So not only just the five on four power plays, but also giving these speed teams four on four opens things up a little bit more. But I think that's been a pretty clear uh, instruction by the league to call a lot of these stick infractions. You're seeing tons of cross checking slashing penalties right now. And you put these teams with these skill levels on the power play for the majority of the game, you're starting to get more goals and early on you know we're seeing totals that were pretty low slowly we're starting to see them adjusted more and more back towards what the regular season totals look like Uh, but i think this is a trend going forwards now i don't think we're going to see it stop it's been pretty clear at least through the first half of every single one of these series that the refs are not going to just let things go and uh, more time on the power play equals more goals, Scott. And
3: do you think goaltender fatigue comes into play here at all, Rob? You know, the fact that it's it's the number one goaltender that's playing every single game, barring an injury or barring getting pulled like we saw. Like, uh, for instance, Rangers pulled Igor Shesterkin after a horrible first period against the Penguins in their game three. And, and this is a guy who played in that triple overtime game uh, in game one and then took a pretty big knock at the end of game two. I just thought he looked tired.
4: I would agree with you there and you also look at the condensed schedule in the NHL over the past couple of seasons starting to catch up to goalies. We saw so many goalie injuries throughout the regular season this year and if you actually look at the playoffs now we still see so many goalie injuries that are happening uh, throughout the NHL playoffs so far. So I definitely think that's a contributor to it. Um, you, You play this condensed schedule goalies playing every day down the stretch especially in the Western Conference. Every game was pretty much important for all of these teams. so. Uh, i think that's a contributing factor for sure and uh, every other night there's not you know we haven't seen the the typical uh two games or two days between games that we've seen in past playoffs the schedule has just been every other night for every team and uh, it's tough it's grueling on these teams and i agree with you shesterkin looked i mean he looked pretty you just don't see him look like that very often um and and i i do think fatigue has been a big factor yeah 79 shots A 79 (laughs) saves, excuse me, in
3: game one of that series. All right, let's talk about that game uh, four coming up here in Pittsburgh. It's kind of evenly priced. Uh, I've seen 115 uh, both ways. So, you know, give or take, depending on which book you look at, you could have the Penguins as a small favorite, the Rangers as a small favorite. Uh, Do you think New York has it in them to even up this series?
4: I do. Now, I think the road team has played the better game in every single game of this series so far. I, I thought, you know, the Pittsburgh in game one, very un- unlucky i mean depending on how you view it because obviously the goal was overturned for the rangers but pittsburgh really came on from the second period onwards in that game but last couple games pretty even and eventually louis Domingue being a starter for pittsburgh is going to catch up to them at some point and uh, i don't know how much longer they're going to go on scoring these goals on shesterkin even though they're generating chances because at the end of the day shesterkin such a great goalie but uh, I, I do think that the Rangers at least have a shot. I mean, the last couple of games have been pretty even. Um, really, not, you know, good on them to bounce back yesterday after that 4-1 deficit early on and eventually tie that game up before eventually losing. But uh, for sure, I mean, I like the way that you know, I like the way that the Penguins are playing. But the Rangers can give them some problems. And with Doming back ending that team right now, I mean, this is a guy who's playing for his fifth team over the last three seasons. There's a reason. You know, yep. he's a third string goalie in the NHL. And, you know, granted he won them that overtime game, but this is as as big a goaltending mismatch as you are going to see in any playoff series. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I think the game is pretty much a coin flip tomorrow, but th- this series can go either way and it wouldn't shock me. I, I will say I did like the game that the Rangers played on the road um, coming back after falling down early yesterday.
3: Yeah, I thought also, uh, you know, Lindgren didn't play. So, the lines were a little shaked, uh, you know, a little shake up in the, the defensive pairings for the Rangers, which I think um, could, you know, Gallant uh, could work itself out here in coming into this game and then moving forward into the series. Uh, Panthers Capitals, I was really surprised uh, at, at the way that the Florida lost that game three. Not surprised the way that Florida bounced back in game two after losing game one. Do we see a
4: similar bounce back situation here in game four? I will say this about that game two win for Florida. They really didn't play all that well. I know they won the game and was a comfortable win, Mm -hmm. but if we just look at the chances that they generated, it was really just poor goaltending from the capitals in that game. Overall, Uh, I think Washington, they have something here going on. They're really frustrating. The Panthers in the neutral zone, all that speed you saw from the Panthers in the regular season is non existent right now. And Washington's doing this without Tom Wilson as well. Who's been injured the last couple of games, which is a big blow for them. So I'm not inclined to lay this or want to lay this price with the Panthers right now based off of how they looked. I mean, it's just a pretty steep uh, number considering the fact that Washington can easily be up 3 nothing here just based off of the way that they play over the course of these games. Like I said, that game two score being a little bit misleading. So this is going to be an interesting one because... <laughs> I, I do, I am a big believer Scott in styles make fights mm. and this happens a lot in the NHL playoffs where I think Florida is a way better team than the Washington capitals. But overall there's something that the caps are doing right now that's frustrating the Panthers and they cannot seem to figure it out through three games. So um, you know, my gut as a hockey fan says, Panthers are way too good. They're going to get back on track here. But then you see the price for game four and I'm like, no way I'm going to lay that with the Panthers um i do kind of like the over in the game but this is just you know i've been kind of blindly backing the overs here while these penalties are still up and the market is not adjusting that crazily i still think that there's over these overs hold value going forwards but uh i don't know this is a tough one for the you know i I think this series is pretty much a coin flip as to who's going to go on at this point
3: speaking of over uh i like the avalanche uh to go over six and a half i think they can get there by themselves which they've done twice in this series Um, I would also lay the puck line on the avalanche. And the reason being is, first of all, this series is over. um, And I think that they do finish off the sweep. Because it is an elimination game, should this be a one-goal game late, we could see an empty net with about four minutes left in regulation. And we could get multiple empty netters at the end of this game. Is that something that you would look into?
4: It is. I mean, there could be a situation where Nashville's down four goals and they pull the goalie in this game because there's it's, nothing, do to, die, lose. Right? Yeah, there's nothing to lose. Do or yeah. die, right? Yeah, there's nothing to lose. It's do There is something in the NHL playoffs with the motivational factor down 0-3 where teams I don't want to say they tend to mail it in, but Nashville knows this series is done. And if we look at historically speaking, uh, these teams that are down 0-3 then tend to get pretty badly outplayed. Uh, I do like the angle with the over, not only because of the empty netters, but very likely we're going to see Pavel Francouz in net for the avalanche because Darcy Kemper got the stick in the eye uh, and they'll probably play pretty cautious with him going forwards. There's no need to rush him back in here with the potential of sweeping the series and, and getting a, a longer layoff while these other teams in the West battle it out. So uh, I think it's mispriced. I think the Avs can pretty much, I don't want to say name their score, but hmm. they're generating insane chances in this series and then you couple that with the fact that the predators are also playing connor ingram in net who's a third string goalie for them and it's it's just very difficult to see the avalanche not scoring at least four or five in this one and then nashville having to play from behind having to press a little bit more things opening up so i I agree with that angle i like the over here scott
3: we got about 20 seconds or so uh flames even up this
4: series they've you know the stars are just really clogging this series up and making it ugly Flames are are playing well, but I mean it, it's tough when it's such a low event, uh, you know, low event game. Yeah. And uh, I'm inclined to say yes, but Dallas has that. They're playing the way that you need to play to beat the Flames, yeah. and it's and, just don't and, don't give up a lot.
3: And Ottinger is out playing Markstrom, which is very exactly. uh, which is very surprising. Rob, I appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with the bets tomorrow. All right, you too, Scott. There he is, Rob Bazzola. Check him out. Uh, co-owner of Betstamp and the co-host of the Circles Off podcast. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair. Air. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500. In total, cash prizes at the DraftKings.com/blue moon now to join the action. Blue moon made brighter. Twenty-one and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. Well, this is the look ahead here on VCN, the sports betting network. As uh, we talk a little bit, Major League Baseball. Uh, I mentioned the Dodgers are the best run line team in Major League Baseball. The Dodgers are 19-7 and seven this year. That is the um, second best record overall in Major League Baseball. The New York Yankees have the best record in all of baseball with 19 wins to just eight losses. The Dodgers are next with 19 wins and seven losses. Following them, it is the New York Mets, 20 wins and 10 losses. Milwaukee and San Diego are both 19 and 10, and the Angels are 19 and 11. Your best home team in Major League Baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers at 10 and 2. The Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees, both 11 and 4. Colorado is 11 and 5 and the Dodgers are 10 and 2. Your best road team in Major League Baseball is the New York Mets, 11 and 5, followed by San Diego who is 10 and 5. Your best over team in Major League Baseball is the Cincinnati Reds, 18-9 and 1 to the over this season. Your best under team this year is the Houston Astros, 8 uh, 21-8 and to the under this season. The Dodgers, meanwhile, 15-9-2 to the under this season. Very interesting stuff there. And then, of course, run line to mention Dodgers are the best. Reds are the worst. So, let's take a look at what I have circled already, which is a lot, for these games coming up on Monday. We got the Orioles uh, going up against the Royals. Uh, I have already circled the Orioles, kind of like the under in this game as well. Uh, Seven and a half is the line. Tyler Wells against Carlos Hernandez. For Tyler Wells, in his last outing, allowed just one run on four hits in five innings. Two runs against the Yankees in five innings. Two runs against the A's in two and a third. Zero runs in four innings against the Yankees. And in his first start got roughed up by the Rays, but that's his first start. We always forgive The first start Uh, looking at the Carlos Hernandez, the starter for the Royals. um, He was tagged for two runs uh, in four innings against the Yankees, three in five and a third against Seattle, three against Minnesota in four and a third, four against Cleveland in four and a third. You want advanced stats? I'm going to give you advanced stats. Just looking here at the um, uh, barrel Percentage, which is something that I like. How 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 often do you get squared up, right? Because the teams that get squared up are the teams that you are the pitchers that usually uh give up some runs and whatnot. Uh let's look at um Tyler Wells and see how good his numbers are. Tyler Wells, let's see. Where are you, buddy? Ooh, not that great. Uh, 41.1% hard hit. Percentage, So it's less than 50% hard hit, but his barrels uh, per plate appearance, it's 8%. That's not that great. Uh, let's compare it to the Royals here and see what we got for uh, Carlos Hernandez. Oh, he's even worse, although a much less hard hit percentage. So we're talking about two guys, 141%, 139% in hard hit percentage, Although both of them get barreled up, Hernandez more so. Uh, he's not as bad as his teammate uh, Bubik, who is just absolutely horrible. But the Orioles are the side here, and I really feel like the under is the play. Seven and a half. I know we don't like it, you know. We, it's it's really um, it's really something that you know you got to hold your breath when it comes to these unders. But maybe. The first five under. I mean, look, the Orioles have done so good at home this year playing to the under at Camden Yards. Like they, as a home team this year, the Orioles on the over on the total it, are playing right now. They're 10-4-1 to the under at home this year. So 10 out of their first 15 games at home have gone under the posted total. Um just looking at the situation for both of these teams. I don't like it. They they play they they played a doubleheader here on Sunday and now have an uh an early turnaround to play a noon first pitch game. To me it's got to be an underplay. And I do think the Orioles uh get the job done and they win this game. And it could look like the one that we just saw in game two here of the doubleheader, which was a 4-2 finish, which they hit the under. First game was a 6-4 loss and uh, lots of errors in that game. And the runs in that game also, you had three runs come late as Kansas City scored one in the eighth and two in the ninth. So if the Baltimore bullpen holds them down here, you know, uh, maybe they win the game 4-3. to three. Instead of uh, losing the game six to four, um, but there was a four four game going to the ninth, so you were probably destined for extra innings anyway. Or the the over was the over was already clinched. But I could be looking at an under here between these two teams, just given the situation. So that's the first spot that I circled: Orioles and the Orioles under. The other spot: Yankees first five and the Yankees over. Uh, John Gray and Nestor Cortez. John Gray this year has um not been that great <laughs> uh his hard hit percentage is at 40 percent barrels is not that bad um Nestor Cortez meanwhile has been a revelation for the Yankees uh Nestor Cortez his hard hit percentage is 37.3 his barrels 4.1 um exit velo average 89 which is not that you know good. Let me look at some expected numbers here for John Gray because that might tell a different story because um, he has struggled so far this season. And let's see some of his expected numbers uh, for John Gray at 329 quality of contact. Um, yeah, I, I. it's hard to not bet on the Yankees in this spot looking at John Gray and looking at Nestor Cortez. Uh, Nestor Cortez has been just so great for the Yankees. He is, oh, his expected numbers are so great. Uh, they definitely have the pitching edge. The over is something that, you know, just because you look at these offenses and both these offenses are good and the Rangers, especially against left handed pitching, have really shined. So that is something that concerns you a little bit backing the Yankees here with Cortez is just how well the Rangers have hit left-handers this season. Nestor Cortez being a left-hander, that's one that gives you slight hesitation. So uh, over a set total is seven, which is low. But, you know, with the Yankees' offense, as good as it is, they can get that by themselves. And if Cortez gives up two, the Yankees can easily get you five. But uh, yeah, I do think the Yankees, maybe Yankees and the over. Dodgers take on the Pirates, 6:35 Eastern Time, first pitch from Pittsburgh. Julio Urias, Jose Quintana, and the Dodgers are 19 and seven this year. All 19 wins have covered the one and a half run line. If you're betting on the Dodgers to win, you're betting on them to win by more than a run. Those are just the, those are just the facts. So. Is this going to end at some point? Yeah, I'm sure. The trend—it'll it, Trends always end. These things end all the time. Streaks end. But I feel like you just got to keep doing it until they win a game that does not cover the run line. Like, they'll lose, and they could very easily lose this game as a minus 245 favorite. Stranger things have happened. But if they win, what the odds are telling you, and history is telling you if they win, it's going to be by more than one run. Um, so, those are the ones that uh, I've circled so far. I have a couple other spots circled. I'm going to try. My mission is to narrow down this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got to narrow down these nine circled spots to like my four or so best picks out of these nine that's the challenge but i think we're up for it i'm scott can hit me up on twitter at scott's on air s-c-o-t-t-s-o-n-a-i-r this is the look ahead here on v the sports betting network
0: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. The VSN spring special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at Vsyn.com, And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's Daily MLB Best Bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full Vsin experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCIN, the sports betting network, as we continue to go through the Monday board and uh, try and, Really finalized this card here because I did circle one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine spots on the Major League Baseball board. Uh, updated records, by the way, play of the day, which hit with the Seattle Mariners here on Sunday, is now 21 10 and 1 on the year. That is 65.6%. Uh, and if you are tracking units, um, look, I, I do different unit-sized bets on all of my plays, so I don't exactly, you know, give out the units. It just whatever you're comfortable with is what you bet. Whatever I'm comfortable with is what I bet. But if you were just to do straight one unit across all of the Major League Baseball play of the day, uh, it's up 9.02 units. So 21-10-1 and one, uh, plus 9.02 units. Overall Major League Baseball, uh, all plays on the vscene.com um, Daily Best Bets page. 61, 40, and 2. That's updated through today. Uh, that's at 59%. Now, am I happy with that? Eh, I'm not because I was much better. Then again, I was hitting 77% through the first month of the season. Nobody does that. So uh, if I could just stay above 60, I will be uh, satisfactory for the entire season. So let's go ahead and look at some of these games, the other ones that I circled. Uh, White Sox. Definitely in the first five here, I like the White Sox uh, against the Guardians. Um, Zach Pleszak has kind of taken uh, a a, a turn. Like, he's he's going in the wrong direction. Uh, Four runs on five hits in five innings his last time out. Six runs on seven hits in three and two-thirds his time out before that against the Angels. So, that's two bad starts in a row as something might be up with him because excuse me he is starting to really really regress and when looking at his numbers uh let me look here at some of his advanced stuff cuz that'll tell you the story here let's see his expected outcome is yeah it's not good um oof he's actually oh man his expected numbers are pretty bad compared to what he's even at right now. So he's he's allowed opponents to 274 average. The expected batting average is actually 314. He's allowed a slugging percentage of uh, 453. The expected is actually 576. Uh, The quality of contact numbers is better, is worse. Um, Let me look at his, uh, yeah, his barrel stuff. Let's see. Let's look at, where are you here? Where are you, please, Zach? Because these numbers can't be good. Oof, 8.7%. That's not good. 473 hard hit percentage. Average exit below 91.1%. Yeah, I, I, I got to back the White Sox here against, please, Zach. Um, for the White Sox, Michael Kopech. Is on the hill, and let's see what some of his numbers are expected-wise this season. That'll tell a better story. Barrel rate, 3.3. That's not bad at all. Uh, Expected stats here for Kopech is, I would assume, if that's low, then this is going to be low as well. Where are you, buddy? Let's see. 304 compared to, okay, let's see, 382 slugging, 221 slugging. 205 expected batting average. Actual batting average is 169. So it's a little bit worse, but he's still having a tremendous start to his season. Um, Yeah, this is the White Sox have got to be the way to go here in the first five innings. Uh, Kopeck, last time out, four shutout. Time before that, two runs in just five innings. Time before that, five shutout. Time before that, five shutout. Time before that, one run in four innings. He's been lights out this season. So White Sox, first five. It's going to be juicy, so you're probably going to have to lay the half a run here and go White Sox to have a lead after five innings. But the benefit that I like here, and because it's it happens all the time, uh, I get burned in the bottom of the fifth inning a lot with first five bets. So the fact that the White Sox are home, you get that bottom of the fifth inning, a little bit of a, a safety net um, should they be down by one or tied going into the bottom of the fifth inning. So that's one that I, I like here for sure. Um, I haven't seen a line out on the Angels yet, but I do like the Angels against the Rays. Uh, Noah Syndergaard against Jeffrey Springs. Um, Jeffrey Springs. It, it's a you know this is another opener situation for the Rays, and the reason why I like this is because the Rays um, they used a lot of relievers this weekend series here against the Mariners. And in a situation where they're using an opener that is only going to go three innings, maybe, um, I just think that some of these arms might be tired. And I think the Angels might be able to take advantage of these arms. And Noah Syndergaard, I think, you know, he's having such a nice season so far that he would be a guy that I like batting. Looking at Noah Syndergaard's, Uh, Expected stats, 299 uh, on his uh, uh, XWOBA. Um, Yeah, 236 expected batting average compared to 207. He's having a nice start to his season. So I haven't seen a line yet out on this game, but that's what I'll be looking at back here. Angels against the Rays. Not for the first five, for the full game is what I'd be looking. And uh, Angels just had a walk-off victory on Sunday night, riding a little bit of an emotional high coming into this game. Uh, Marlins uh, is Marlins against the Diamondbacks. Elijio Hernandez against Humberto Castellanos for uh, Humberto. Um, last time out, five and two thirds shutout innings against Miami. Great start, great start, and this was a start that featured Castellanos against Rogers. Rodgers was roughed up early. Uh, bad third inning uh, where he gave up, uh, excuse me, bad fifth inning where he gave up three runs. But the fact that this is going to be the second time for the Marlins seeing Castellanos in such a short span. So second time in, what is it, a week? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's the ninth. So, yeah, second time in a week seeing this guy. That's I love those situations. I think familiarity is, like, the best thing when it comes to Major League Baseball. So I think the Marlins could take advantage going up against Castellanos. And Eliezer Hernandez, meanwhile, I mean, this dude is just balling. But he did get roughed up in his last start here against Arizona, tagged for five runs in four innings in that game. That was after the Madison Bumgarner ejection and all five of those runs came in the fourth inning, the top of the fourth inning. Uh, so he got through the first uh, first three unfazed, and then he gave up five runs in the top of the fourth inning. So that might be something to take a look at. Maybe the over in that game as well. Uh, actually, I don't know. I was thinking about the under, but you can't go over with a team that doesn't really hit like the Diamondbacks. So, uh, look, both these pitchers uh, faced off against the four teams before and um, Mar- uh, Hernandez looking for revenge while Castellanos looking to duplicate the stuff that he had the last time. And then I'm going to go with the Mariners here against the Phillies. Um, terrible travel spot for Philadelphia. Playing the doubleheader on Sunday and then having to travel cross-country to go to Seattle to play the Mariners. That's not a good spot. Maybe Mariners in the first five. Uh, thinking Philly starts off slow, a little sluggish. Uh, coming up this morning on Follow the Money, David Thorpe, TrueHoop.com analyst and writer, Johnny Avello from DraftKings uh, at 8.30 a.m., and Nick Kiprios, uh, not Kyrios, the tennis player, but a uh, former NHL player and Sportsnet 590, the fan host at 9 a.m. Eastern time. It's all coming up Monday morning on Follow the Money. Uh, you can follow me, Scott Seidenberg. I'm on Twitter, at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S, O-N-A-I-R. I I will tweet out when the baseball card has been finalized or when you can go to vSin.com and click on the daily best bets from hosts and get uh, some of the plays that have already been posted. This is The Look Ahead here on vSin.
2: slash compatibility.